Let's go to the Lord once again here. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and let's think of uh, different people in our church that are really struggling with their health. Uh, major surgeries happening this week. Now we just lift that up to you in your hands. We pray, God, for um, just to, to uh, be working through the surgeons, the nurses, and all those that are working there and caring for these people and as they're being operated on. And we just pray for uh, everything to go smoothly. We pray also just for those who are, are sick and need your healing touch. Uh, need your strengthening of their bodies, God. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would restore them and have your mercy and grace upon them in that way. And uh, Lord, we also just pray for those that might be spiritually struggling right now, might be having a real hard time focusing in on you, maybe putting you first or trusting you. We pray, God, for just an extra measure of grace there as needed. And so, Lord, we also just pray um, as we hear your word this morning, that uh, your Holy Spirit would speak to us through the Word. Um, you would encourage us, strengthen us, reprove us, whatever is needed to be done according to your Word, God. And um, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As I mentioned, we're, we've been going through the book of Second Peter, and... Um, you know, one of the themes that we hit on so far early on in chapter 1 was um, just growing in godliness, pursuing godliness. Uh, every believer is called to pursue godliness, holiness, Christ-likeness. It's not something that just is going to be happening to us by sitting there. It's, a, uh, in a sense, a coordination between the power of the Holy Spirit, empowering the believer to do and live the life uh, that Christ has uh, called us to, but also we put forth effort and then we've stumbled upon this false teaching that was going on at the time. And these false teachers were basically saying that, uh, well, number one, that you know, Jesus is not coming back and there is no judgment. Which is quite convenient because they lived uh, life according to their desires and lusts. And basically said, hey, you can live any way you want, doesn't matter. Uh, there's no reckoning. Uh, what we do in the body doesn't really matter about having any spiritual impact on us. And so this is a, you know, a bold-faced lie that Peter was calling out. And so we've been going through in all of chapter 2. He was just um, you know, really challenging uh, the false teachers. And also just you know, he's warning the church there. He's warning the church about false teachers uh, and what they were teaching. And today uh, we get into uh, talking about the second coming and then also... Uh, Peter gives uh, a wonderful argument um, in response to something that they were saying. Okay, so um, let's get into the reading of Scripture. If you're able to, uh, why don't you stand for the reading of Scripture? We do this out of respect and honor of the Word of God because we put ourselves under it and under the teaching of Scripture. And so uh, if you're able to, let's go ahead and read it aloud together. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your prophets. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? 
For ever since the fathers fell asleep, and all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. So, if you were to break this passage down, I would look, we're going to look at verses 1 to 7 today, and this is really talking about, how, it answers a question. How do we know the day of the Lord will come? How do we know? And he's going to answer that question in those first seven verses we just read. And then in the last two verses, verses 8 and 9, Peter's going to answer the question, why is it not come yet? Why is it not come yet? Okay, so that's where we're headed. All right. So uh, let's take a look here in answering this first question to see what's going on. Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, before we get into that, I would like to take a look at those first four verses there. Um, you know, I, how many of you took calculus in college or high school? Okay, there's a few of you. Do you remember something called the chain rule or remember hearing of it? The chain rule, yeah. So uh, I'm teaching calculus right now, and I'm not going to teach you the chain rule, by the way, because I, I have a hard enough time with the people in the class teaching the chain rule. But anyway, uh, it's rather critical to know the chain rule, because uh, you can't take uh, what we call derivatives of a lot of the functions that they get in the class without knowing the chain rule. So I, almost every class now, since we learned the chain rule, I will say the chain rule in some form or fashion probably 30 times as we do problems, right? Uh, and, and I'm just constantly reminding them because it's like so critical. And so Peter here, uh, he's mentioned that word remind, or this is a reminder to you so that you'll remember something several times in this letter. And he's saying it again here, right? Um, there in verse one, right? In verse one, what does he say? He says, this is now the second letter Right, presumably he's referring back to 1 Peter. Right? This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And so he's like, there are some things that you need to constantly be reminded of. And uh, it just, just simply should give us uh, pause to remember that we need to be reminded of the truth all the time. I mean, one of the, in one of the senses, that's why we gather together for the teaching of the Word of God. We need to be reminded of what it says, what the truth is, right? And then specifically, though, Peter has some certain things he wants them to remember. And in verse 2, he mentions, he says, remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Remember the predictions of the holy prophets. And so he is really wanting them to remember the prophecies regarding the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Um, I don't have it up on the screen here, but if you have a Bible or have a device with a Bible on it, take a look at Isaiah 66. Last chapter in Isaiah. Isaiah 66. 
And Isaiah 66, verse 15, says the following. It says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh. And those slain by the Lord shall be many. And he's prophetically speaking of the day of the Lord. Right? The day of the Lord. This is what he's talking about. And so this would just be one of many prophecies speaking about the day of the Lord. But Peter's saying, you need to be reminded of this. You need to be reminded there is actually a day when the Lord will return. And there is a day of judgment coming. And this will be a judgment by fire, he says. So he's just trying to remind them of these things. And remind us as well. Now, in verse 3 of 2 Peter 3, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Well, what are they scoffing about? Well, one of the things they're scoffing about is they're just kind of poo-pooing anybody who believes that Jesus will return and that there actually will be a judgment. You know, they're just, they're just kind of you know, making light of that. They're scoffing at that. You know, and so I think the thing is to, to remember here, as believers who believe in what the Word actually says, we, we realize that, you know, um, people aren't always going to want to hear the truth. And they will want to make fun of or scoff those who believe this truth. So, um, the other thing to realize is that it's also a sign of the last days, right? He's saying, in the last days. There will be scoffing, right? Well, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the last days here as we take a look at some verses together. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. talks about some of the things that will accompany the last days. Um, the context here is the day of Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit here in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says the following. It says, in the last days it shall be you get that? In the last days, right? It shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit, my, my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and you, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And that's quoting a prophecy in Joel. And so what we need to realize is that, you know, when they said that, okay, at Pentecost, they're saying, you realize that right now, when that happened at Pentecost, that begins the last days. Okay? It's a demarcation point. There's something unique there at the, when Jesus raises from the dead and is ascended and then the Spirit is poured out. So that's when the, the last days, we're in the last days. Okay, Now, that may have been you know, a couple thousand years ago, but uh, we don't know how long the last days will be. Okay, But we do know there's... There's really nothing after this than heaven, right, uh, which is wonderful. And by the way, Nick Higgins is going to teach three weeks on the kingdom of heaven. Uh, next week, the next, two week, uh, next three weeks on that. And he's actually going to have some touch points on the remainder of 2 Peter because uh, the verses we don't cover in 2 Peter 3 uh, today uh, have touch points with what the, about the new heavens, the new earth, and stuff like that. But we are in the last days. They were in the last days. They're beginning at Pentecost. Other verses that talk about the last days. 2 Timothy 
chapter 3, verse 1 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Times of difficulty. And then Hebrews 1, 1 verse 2 says, But in these last days, He, meaning God, has spoken to us by His Son, meaning Jesus, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Again, this takes us back to the fact that the last days began there when Jesus uh, was crucified and resurrected and then ascended in Pentecost. That's when the last days, that period, has begun. All right, so we need to be thinking about that. Um, so don't worry, though, when people oppose you because of the truth. You know, when people do oppose you for the truth, because of the truth or make fun of you, just realize, you know, hey, this is the way it was going to be. We've been told that we're, we're going to be scoffed at, we're going to be laughed at for believing this. Think about, think about uh, when the first, uh, I'll kind of think of it this way, the, the first major judgment that hit the world, the flood. The flood, and we're going to touch on that in a minute here. But at the flood, uh, I'm speculating here a little bit, but as, as the rain is coming down and Noah and his family are sealed up in the ark, okay, and as the floodwaters are getting higher and the rain is not stopping, do you think that some people were thinking they were right? The preacher of righteousness, as Noah is called in the Scriptures, who was telling them of what he was doing and why he was doing it, they were right. We scoffed at them. I mean, what a tragedy, really. Right? And so I'm just kind of imagining, again, my opinion here, I'm just imagining that uh, in the latter days when things start to happen and Jesus is coming back and unleashing his wrath, right, uh, that people are saying they were right. They were right. This is true. It's not about being right. It's like, it's true. You know, it's like not winning the argument. It's, it's the truth, okay? Right? That's the, that's the thing. All right, so in verse 4 of 2 Peter 3, the passage we're looking at, it says this. It says, they will say. So here's what the false teachers were saying. Here's what the people that were following them were believing. They bought into this. Here's what they were saying. It says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Um, you know, so this is more of an argument of saying, listen, guys, you know, there's, nobody's coming back. There's no day of reckoning. You know, it's been this way for hundreds of years. Right, uh, we can we can live how we want. It doesn't matter. And I would say, in a sense, these false teachers were sort of deists, who who really kind of saw God. I mean, they believed in God, but they really saw Him as the one who, yeah, He created everything, but He just let it spin, and now it's hands off. He never intervenes. He never does. He's not involved in humanity's affairs. It's just he's the creator, okay? More like a deist. And certainly that would fit with their, what they were saying. You know, it's, nobody's coming back. There's no judgment coming. All right, so now we're going to see Peter's response to this false teaching, all right? 
uh, that Jesus is, you know, this false teaching that Jesus is not returning and there's no judgment. So let's get into it here. Um, how can we be sure the day of the Lord will come? Well, his first reference here uh, in verse 5 has to do with creation. With creation. 2 Peter 3, 5, the verse that we read says this. It says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. All right, so now we realize that, okay, it's, the way he's portraying this and saying this is that they're, they're turning a blind eye to something, probably because if they really look an honest look, then they're going to have to change their lives. Things are going to be different, right? But he says, uh, they deliberately overlooked this fact. Now, here's the fact. It says that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. By the word of God. So, um, again, if you have your Bibles there, why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So, first book of the Bible, first verse of the Bible. We'll look at the first couple of verses, and then we'll skip down to verses 6 to 8. So, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so these words here that are used are, are words that describe God created something out of nothing. Out of nothing. Ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. Now, none of us can do that. We're all creating things here out of things that already exist. Okay? We're not God. We can't create out of nothing. He can do that, and it says he did that by the power of his word. The power of his word, by the power of his word. Touching on what Peter talked about in terms of the waters and how God used the waters in, his, in this formation, down in verse 6, Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So you've got the waters that are in the seas, and then you've got the waters that are above, which would be like, you know, your, your snow, your rain, you know, the water that's up there, right? Um, and so he, he's saying this is, this is how it was created. He separated, separated those, and so the waters was somehow used in the creation. God used those, and it says, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. All right, that was verses 6 through 8, Genesis 1. Now, um, the fact that God created the world shows we have a God who intervenes. All right, so if these guys are saying, you know, things are always have they been ever since creation, you know, no intervention, no judgment, uh, they're kind of forgetting that the creation itself was an intervention of God. God was, was intervening. Right? He's, he's creating something out of nothing. It's interesting, uh, past, uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung, he points out the following about Genesis 1.1. He's like, you could, there's, there's three things he mentions, and I, I thought there was a good insight uh, on just Genesis 1.1 alone, where it says, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first is, there is a distinction between the, between the creator and the created. God is separate from his creation. He's not part of it. It's not like this, you know, God's in everything. Okay? Totally. God is separate from his creation. There's, you know, it's like there's, there's, there's 
his creation, and then there's God. Right? Not everything is God. Okay? Uh, the second thing is that God is a God who is involved in his creation. This is clear just from the creation act. He's involved. And then the third thing is that, you know, if he can make something out of nothing, he can do anything. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for our God. So I just thought those were some good insights just about the fact that, you know, God intervenes and is involved in his creation. But just that very first verse that we have uh, in the scriptures tell us so much about uh, the difference between God and his creation, the fact that he's involved. Uh, he's not just a hands-off God. Okay? So this is Peter's first counter to their argument. Just think about the creation, right? All right, secondly, he's uh, uh, answering to the question of how can we be sure the day of the Lord will come is the flood. You know, their claim was that things have continued as they always have been. And he's like, uh, excuse me, no, they haven't. There was a major interruption, if you will, <laughs> a reboot on the world, Okay. Uh, in fact, it's kind of fascinating if you do read, um, you know, as the floodwaters subside, what God's commands were to, uh, to know in his family. You know, you get, you get you just the whole thing, you know, uh, the whole be fruitful and multiply. You know, this is just, it's like a, the, in a sense of recreation in a sense. Um, but this flood, the flood narrative, what the, the destruction, right, of, of, uh, Humanity. It's really it was a judgment on wickedness. It did affect the physical world for sure. No question about that. But it was a judgment on mankind of the wickedness. Uh, Genesis six verse five to eight says, "The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart." So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land and man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But there we see in this, those few verses in Genesis 6 the, the fact that God's, you know, he is preparing to judge the world, and that's what the flood was doing. So P Peter's argument is this. God's judged the world before, he'll do it again just like he's promised. So in other words, you know, there shouldn't be, this shouldn't, you know, you, you kind of forgot this. He says they overlooked this fact. God's, the God has intervened in creation. He has judged the world before at the flood. And so he is just saying you're, you're, you're just intentionally turning a blind eye to these facts. And the last thing he mentions here. In verse 7 of 2 Peter 3, it says, But by the same word, by the same word, the same word that God created the world, by the same world when he said, start raining and don't stop until I say, that same word, it says, it says, by that same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction destruction of the ungodly. So he's just simply stating, you know, based on those first two points he's making, that God, he, he is by the same powerful world holding off 
judgment. But he is reserving. He is going to judge. It says, says there, he stored it up. He's storing up the judgment with fire being kept until a particular day of judgment, the day of the Lord. So, in summary, Peter's saying this to these false teachers and trying to equip the church to, to have an answer for this, to hear it saying, this is what the truth is. The Lord will return and judge the world because he's intervened to create the world. He judged the wicked once before. He'll judge the world again. This time, it says, by fire. Did you notice that? By fire. He's not going to judge the world with water. He promised that, right? That's why we have our rainbow. We forget that that's what the rainbow is about. It's a promise. Okay. All right. So, now, on to the second question. Why has the day of the Lord not come yet? It's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. And so he, he answers it uh, in two verses here. Uh, his first response is that God does not experience time as we do. God does not experience time as we do. So let's look back on that verse 8, 2 Peter 3, verse 8, where he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And so I think we just, we just get from this that, you know, hey, God's eternal. He's without beginning and end. He dwells in eternity. Right? Eternity is not just extended time, right? It's an existence above and apart from time. So, you know, to God, like creation happened yesterday. You know, and, and, and from his point of view, it's like, you know, he's not bound by time. And so he's not on our timetable. Um, I mean, he's certainly obviously aware of time and created this, right, timeline that we are on. But but we just, he's just simply saying, um, in response to them, he's just saying, listen, uh, to the Lord, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, a thousand years is a blip on the radar to him. And so just because we think that, oh, all these hundreds of thousands of years have passed by and God's done nothing, doesn't mean that he's not working the plan, okay? He's working his plan uh, within uh, his time frame. Okay. Um, I'll put my little opinion statement in here. I always differentiate my opinion from the Word of God. Okay, but I will say this: Don't use that like a, a scale for time. Okay, I don't think he meant for us to use that verse to figure out the age of the Earth. That's what I'm saying. Okay, it has nothing to do with the age of the Earth. That verse. Okay, um, it's it just as a statement about you know. Uh, Again, to God, you know, things are just, he's not concerned with the time. It's his plan. He's working his plan, okay? Um, all right, now, the second response to why has the day of the Lord not come yet is uh, God's showing his mercy. He's showing his mercy. When you look at verse 9 there in Second Peter 3, it says, The Lord is not slow, that he's not slow, to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. So really, the delay, if we could say that, is, has nothing to do with, you know, God's kind of running behind or, or something like this. It, 
No, it has to do with he's actually being gracious. He's actually waiting for people to respond to him. It says, he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's God's heart. It's God's heart that everyone would turn to him and turn to Christ. Now, the reality of that is it's not going to happen that everyone will, but he's giving as many as who will a chance to do that. Right? So, um, on the one hand, you know, as believers, you know, we're probably saying, Lord, now would be a good time, right, to come back. This would be awesome, right? Let's, let's, let's get that new heavens and earth thing going right now. Let's get those glorified bodies, you know, all that. Uh, at the same time, each day that goes by that he does not return, he's showing his mercy. He's, he's waiting, and he's waiting. And so... Um, First uh, Timothy chapter, uh, excuse me. First Timothy chapter two, verses three and four, says uh, says this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So just you know, make no mistake. God's heart is that people would be saved. That's His heart. Okay, and we too should have the heart of God. We should have the heart to reach people that they might come to know him. That's, that's why we really ultimately are still here, I, I believe. It's like, you know, um, if, if it was just about coming to know God as Savior, you know, Christ as Savior and know God, we'd, I think we'd be just be translated, boom. <laughs> when you believe, boom, you're gone. You know, you're with the Lord, you know. <laughs> But no, we've got a mission down here, man. We've got, we've got a mission, and that mission is centered around the glory of God, uh, you know, and, 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 a, and a huge part of that is this redemption, people coming to, to faith, and, and this uh, heart of God drawing people to himself, right? And so um, this, is, this is good for us to be reminded of, is that our lives as followers of Jesus are meant to be intentionally involved in reaching people for Christ. Intentionally people, because that's, that's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for others to come to him. That's why today he hasn't come back yet. Okay, So just think about that. Keep that in your mind. Because, um, you know, God is, is working, I mean, when, think about your own story, right? Your own story of faith, when you come, came to faith. When you look backwards, you can often see the hand of God working through all different individuals and people and your parents and this or that, whatever. Now, you see the hand of God there. Well, God's doing those same types of things, and he wants to use you to do them, to accomplish them, right? So that means, you know, Every trip to the grocery store, right? Every uh, every commute you have with your kids in the car, you know, whatever it might be, is an opportunity, is a gospel opportunity, is a God opportunity, uh, and, and so um, we just need to be, I think, prayed up with our spiritual antennas and saying, God, show me where you're working here, so that I could join you in that uh, wonderful pleasure of being able to be a witness for you. Uh, in word and deed. You know, and if you've got kids, your number one uh, uh, focus is your kids. You, you, want, you want them to, to come to know the Lord, right? You want them to, to put their faith in Jesus, and they need to see 
what Christianity looks like lived out right there, uh, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, yes, it, it's real because you're still a fallen person, right? Uh, but that's okay because they need to see, you know, real Christianity is not perfect, but it is forgiven and it's a, it is a pursuit of righteousness and holiness, right? And so... We have to think, uh, I, I looked upon this verse here, John 9, John 9 verse 4, and uh, Jesus is talking about accomplishing his mission here on earth. And he says this, he says, while it is daytime, John 9, 4, while it is daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, certainly that was about his mission and everything, but I think there's an application for us here. Similarly, we have a mission, right, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And so he, I think what we need to realize is that, you know, night is coming when we can't do that, right? The Lord's going to come back someday, hopefully soon, but, but we don't know. So in the meantime, we got work to do. That's, that's what that verse is, is, is pointing us toward in terms of our own application. Right, so um, when it comes to, um, you know, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, then, then my hope for you is when you read these verses in 2 Peter 3, um, that in a sense the Lord puts a fire under you to realize that there is really actually a judgment coming, and and really, the, the judgment, you know, first and foremost, is going to be, do I know the Savior or do I not? Have I put my faith in Jesus or have I not? Am I trusting in Jesus or am I trusting in my own good works, which always will fail you because our own good works always fall short of God's standard, which is perfection, holiness, Right? He only sees us as holy when he's looking at us through the blood of Jesus, through his son, when we come into a relationship with him. And so my hope for you this morning, whether you're here in person or where you're watching online, is that if you've not put your faith in Jesus, that you would today. We were singing songs about a desiring of Christ to come and to come soon and all this, and and um, you don't want that to happen if you haven't put your faith in Christ, right? Because you don't want to experience the wrath of God. You want to come into a relationship with God through Jesus. And so I just pray that you would receive him today if you haven't done that. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning again, just thankful that your word is clear, it's true, that uh, your promise of your coming is, is, is true as every other promise you've made. You've, you, you make good on them all. And Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your patience. I personally thank you that you were patiently waiting for me to come to faith in you, that you didn't come back before 1982. <laughs> I'm just so thankful for that. Um, and, and Father, I just pray that uh, you would help each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus to just have more of an awareness of the, the temporalness of this world. 
And that what really matters is what matters for eternity's sake. Lord, let, our, let us live our lives for the sake of reaching other people, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. Lord, help us to be a good witness uh, verbally and through our actions. Lord, thank you that um, as Peter has laid out here the truth, we can know for certain that Jesus is coming back and there is a judgment coming. No question about it. We look forward to your return, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.